are to our church. Amen. He is uh, very gifted in teaching. And on Wednesday night, if you haven't made it, you've, you've missed it. He's written several, five or six books, seven books maybe perhaps now. But anyway, just a lot of knowledge in the Word of God. You're in for a treat today. And I love to see, he shared some of it in Wednesday nights the last couple of weeks, the refinement that the Holy Spirit is doing in you, brother. It's just amazing what he's doing in your, you and Pam's life. And it's just, a, it's just an honor as pastor to watch, you know, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and shapes us and molds us into a better vessel. Amen. How many's ever been on the wheel before? And he has definitely been doing that in Brother Terry's life, and I see a fresh anointing upon him. Just uh, just enjoy today. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Pastor, would you be so gracious to go back and get me a water? Oh, never mind. My better half. Hallelujah. Yeah, sometimes I'll tell you what, I think uh, if God could be wore out, I'm the guy who did it. I know, Brian ran a close second. I, but let's just say our family. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God is great. Amen. God is greater. He's greater than any enemy or foe that would dare to come against him. Hmm. Hallelujah. He's greater than any stubborn saint or child of God. Hallelujah. What an atmosphere. Hallelujah. Let's just bathe this message with a quick prayer. Father God, thank you for showing up today as you always do, Lord. As you're always with us. But you've manifested your presence in a special way today, a way that we can relate to and see with our own eyes and feel with our feelings. We know those things don't count necessarily so much with you, but they do with us. And when it registers with us that you are ever so present, Lord, it builds our faith up. It gives us confidence and restores our hope. And so, Father, we just bathe this message with prayer today. And our hope is that your precious Holy Spirit will feed us the living word and that you will make all flesh go away, all hindering spirits and distractions that would keep us from hearing. We just dedicate all this to you for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, before I get started, I want to real briefly go through a couple of things. You know, the the Lord really laid this message on me strong about a month ago. And I, I let Pastor know that the Lord really laid a strong message on my heart. And what made it different than just a message to preach was that this is a message for this group. This group right here. This church, this setting, this day. This is no accident you're here today. This message is for you, he said. And... Uh, you know, those listening or who may watch this on YouTube later, of course this word's for you. But I want you people here in this room to understand there's a special anointing here today. And I'm really believing that God is going to move in such a way today through his message and his word that he's going to meet your needs. Now, what I'd like to do is kind of explain to you that the, the name of this message is called Worthy of the Assignment. Worthy of the Assignment. You know, you've all been assigned to a certain place in life, a certain call in the spirit realm. We need to get a hold of that. It's so heartbreaking that so many professing believers don't ever get that. Yes, they go to heaven when they die if they believe in Jesus Christ, but they miss out on so much of God's purpose and plan for the church, for his community, for our communities, for our families, and for this country. And so we are kind of experiencing visually around us in our communities and in our country right now how many people just, really how many people did miss out on that purpose. Because the, the Bible tells us that the body, we're, we're individual members, but together we make up the body of Christ. So in that sense, we may be individuals with a lot of different giftings and gifted areas, but Christ is the head. We're part of his body here on this earth. And 
it says, Paul tells us in his letters that each member doing its job is what makes it all work. See, pastor can't get up here by himself and make things work. Well, no one person is greater or one gifted is greater than any other. All of these are equally important. And so I'm not going to spend any more time. Y'all get that. Y'all understand that. Y'all aren't little babies. But I want you to approach today with a, an open mind. You know, uh, we were at Beautiful Restoration Friday, and I'm going to put in a plug for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you need some extra spiritual food, go to Beautiful Restoration on the Fridays that they are held. Uh, let me put in, we're, we're starting back up the Ignite the Fire home group also at our home this Thursday. And for those of you who have your Living Stones book, if you want to get a head start, just read chapter 2. We'll be talking about spiritual gifts. So important that we understand. I've heard more misteaching in charismatic churches on spiritual gifts than any other subject. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I'm just going to give you what the Lord's given to me. See if it bears witness with you. I try to keep things very scriptural and in their proper context. And I think that's where a lot of us kind of miss it. But anyway... Uh, I want you to approach with an open mind because I was talking to James Friday at Beautiful Restoration uh, Home Group. And uh, we were talking about, I, I said, the one thing the Lord has shown me, you know, Pastor, is how, how much preconceived theology we take to the Scriptures when we open our Bibles. And especially, talk, we're not going to be talking about the rapture and stuff today, but that's one of the big ones. We take man's doctrines with us. And so when I read 1 Corinthians 15, I'm automatically locked into a pre-tribulation rapture, which I'm brought up. I believe that, okay? I'm not saying, but I'm beginning to see things differently, too. There's a lot of other things that I've missed because every time I read uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 or 1 Corinthians 15, I'm locked into this. We're out of here. Anytime I, uh, which I've been reading Revelation for the past two years, at least two or three times a month. Uh, every time I get to chapter four, I'm out of here. You know, it, it's just amazing. And I don't, we don't mean to do that. That's just the way we were brought up in church. We've always learned that way. I'm not saying it's wrong. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I'm saying this whole Bible from Genesis chapter one to Revelation 22, not Revelation 4, speaks to us today, right now, and has some very important wisdom to impart to us for this desperate hour in which we are living. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. So, see, you guys are, you guys are grown up. You get it. So that's all I ask. Approach that with an open mind because... Uh, when we get to our second section, uh, you're going to hear some scriptures that normally we place in the tribulation, okay? But just put that out of your mind. I mean, I don't know about you, but we're in tribulation right now. I'm not saying it's the great tribulation, but we're in a tribulation right now. So I, I think we can all relate to that, which brings me to my last point, and then we're going to get started. Is that the Lord said specifically to me, I feel that this message is for those who have been going through hell. And quite honestly, he's kind of laid on me and Pam's hearts. That pretty much includes everybody in this room. We know the devil's coming against marriages. He's coming against this church. We're in a transitional period. We're looking for buildings. Be on guard. The devil wants to slip in at times like this. And gets you frustrated. I don't know about that new place. I don't like this. I Stick with it, man. Get planted. Commit yourself to go all the way. Because we're not playing games here. God's not playing games. And the devil's not playing games. This is real. And we've seen enough broken lives and addictions and broken families and, and depressed saints and just on and on and on. We've seen too much of it, church. We've seen too much of it. The tribulation against us is real. And God gave you this word today to encourage you 
Number one, that many of us are going through this tribulation not because we've done something wrong, but because we're doing something right. Come on. Now, he said some of us. Some of us are having a rough time because we need to make some adjustments. Amen? So, be willing to make some adjustments at the end of today's service. Hallelujah. Can we do that? Turn to your neighbor and say, you better make some adjustments. <laughs> Let's go to number one subject, the summons. The summons. We're all summoned to a position, an assignment. We're called into the body of Christ. And that summons, that calling is to walk worthy. Walk in a way, lead your life in such a way that it's worthy of the one who shed his blood. I, I, I don't want, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I've wasted so much time in my Christian walk. I, I could have been, spent so much, I, I, I should be preaching to nations now. But I'm still little old Terry sitting here. I don't know. I know God's called me to big things, but I have not given it 100%. So how can I expect him to take me to the places where I have as a vision in my heart? How many of you know God gives you the desires of your heart? That's what the Bible says, that he delights himself in his children. He will give them the desires of their heart. And really, that's a double meaning. Anything I desire, he'll give to me. But why? Because he gave me those desires to start with. He put the desire in this old hippie musician to be a preacher. You think I was thinking of that when I was playing in the clubs? Heck no. But things began to change. The word became real. Jesus became real. And my desires began to change because he's putting them in there. Glory to God. So I want to walk in a way worthy of the punishment and the pain that Jesus took on my behalf. He took my punishment. Do I need to remind you the wages of sin? It's death. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. There was no hope for any of us. That's why none of us should be judging anyone else. We're all a mess. We've all made messes. We're all a work in progress. We all come from the same place. But we should walk worthy in such a way that's going to honor Jesus and honor the Holy Spirit and the time and the blood and the effort that he has literally spent investing in you. Let's go to our first scripture, Bev. 2 Thessalonians 1. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. So that we ourselves boast of you. This is the apostle. Paul saying that me and my friends, the other fellow apostles, we boast of you guys. Wouldn't that be awesome if people went around? Man, that church down there, that house of restoration. Man, God's in that place. Amen. God's in that place. We boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith, all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy to the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So we go through these things, but it's a sign of being counted worthy by God. We may not always react in the proper way, but we serve a very patient, loving God. He allows us chance number two and chance number 222. 
in chance number 2022 and on, right? Now, I don't know. I, I'm sure God's grace has a, 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 its limits, but man, I wouldn't want to push it. I just want to try to make the proper adjustments and understand the tribulations I'm going through. That the thing that made them worthy in this scripture is that Paul said, you guys are still growing in your faith. You're still growing in your love, even though you're being persecuted, even though these tribulations are hitting you hard. You're still growing in your faith. And that's what they're designed to do. So just remember that when you get frustrated at all the things and the challenges ahead or the challenges that you find yourself drowning in, that it's a chance to grow in your faith. Let's go to our next scripture. Ephesians 4. I love this walk in unity. You know, uh, in our prayer room this morning, Brother Colin was mentioning, I just, right when your voice kind of came up a little bit, you mentioned unity, and I was just praying the same thing. When that happens, I just get goosebumps. God wants us to be one. I can't stress this enough. Yes, we're different. We may even have a little slight different beliefs here and there, but we're one body. He's called us all here together. He's not stupid. He's doing a mighty work. Hallelujah. And when that unity appears, guess what happens? Pentecost. Revival. It doesn't happen without it, folks. But going to our second point here, Paul says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hallelujah. Now, of course, I want to put this in its proper context. The Apostle Paul is beginning to move into, we'll be going over this uh, at Ignite the Fire. He's beginning to move into the gifts of the fivefold ministry here. And so I want to put a special emphasis, I feel like God, the Holy Spirit wants to do this, is that we've got a lot of leaders that pastors raising up in this church. People graduating from our ministry classes, our ministry schools, and I want you to know, Holy Spirit have you to know right now, higher standards of accountability for called leaders. There's higher standards of accountability we're called leaders. In other words, you can't get away with what you used to. It's time to suck it up, buttercup. Can I say that, pastor? Is that okay? Uh, we're not tiptoeing through the tulips here. Uh, we're, we're going through these leadership classes because God's put a desire in our heart to equip the saints and to bring them to places that Quite frankly, without the equipping ministry, they're not going to get to. That's why the equipping ministry is there. We've got to be super careful, people, to just leave it all up to God. Here's another big area. A lot of people miss it because they're just leaving it all up to God. Well, I believe in Jesus, so the rest is up to God, right? No. Demons believe and tremble. You've got to have faith. You've got to put faith to, to what this says. You've got to start practicing it. And listen, I don't know about you, but I have found out it takes prayer to God from the gut with tears rolling down my face sometimes. Right? It, 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 God is searching our hearts. That's what he does. And he tries every single saint, especially those called to leadership. Let's go to our other scripture here. Now, this is when the apostles in the book of Acts, revival has broken out. I'm going to just put it in context. Revival is just burning in Jerusalem. Woo! And they're being heavily persecuted at the same time, told to shut down. They're being thrown in prison. You can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. You know, 
with all this stuff that's been going on with COVID and stuff, we have found, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, we'll address this in a minute, but we've found a lot of churches aren't willing to go that route. They would rather listen to the government, which the Bible says we should obey the government, a godly government. Our government turned from God a long time ago. Eh, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. Y'all know how I feel about that. But that's the context here. And so they were, they were beaten and told they can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Does that describe you today? You know, we're, we're here in America, we don't know tribulation. Not like that, not in the sense of persecution. Many of us have suffered a lot of ills and things that are, are not unique to any country at all. There's people in this room who've gone through absolute heck. But we, as far as persecution here in America, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue. But if it were to come, what if you lived in Sudan? What if you lived in communist China and you were holding a home group because they won't let you have a church and then they found out about it and they came and the government threatened you and threw your husband in prison or your your family in prison and said, you better not teach this anymore. Would you be rejoicing that you were counted worthy to suffer shame? Just saying. That's a good gauge for us if we're honest with ourselves that maybe we need to step up to prayer. Maybe we need to be preparing for more persecution that could come in the future should God deem it necessary. And I want to underline that. We don't suffer things accidentally or... Well, there's two ways we do suffer. We suffer for doing stupid stuff. God's got nothing to do with that. But then we suffer for being godly. And Peter says that's the kind of suffering that needs to be in your life and it should be done with honor and quietness and a humble spirit. Suffering the things that Jesus himself suffered because we're living the life that Jesus lived and teaching and doing the things that Jesus taught and did. Amen? Let's go to our second part because right now, not only have we been called and summoned, but there is a separating going on right now. Can you see that? There's a separating going on. And now, and there's both sides are being marked. Both sides are being marked right now. Let's just, let's just go to Matthew 13 here. I just wanted to put this stuff in context because this is the parable of the wheat and tares. And Jesus explains it to us. Thank God he did. The sower and, and this one. And uh, so therefore we can know, since Jesus explained this to us, that this is concerning the end of the age. How many of you believe we're living in the end days? Some of us do, okay. We're living in the last hour, man. And that's what this parable mentions. And the thing I love about this parable, because he starts out saying, he, God plants the church. And how many of you know God only sows good seed? But in this parable, tares start springing up in God's field. And the workers say, what's going on here? I thought you planted good seed. And Jesus says, an enemy has done this. He snuck in while men slept. And see, the church has been sleeping now for a good 50 years or more. Probably more, more like 100. And since we've been sleeping, then these tares get planted in amongst us. And they worship with us and they, they fellowship with us and they, listen man, and they're growing up. But, and you know... Some of the, I, I've studied this for so long. Some of these tares know their tares. Some are here to just disrupt and ruin churches. Others don't understand 
that they're, they're eating wrong spiritual food and they've been misdirected and the devil's using them as his own vessels to cause disruption, division, and strife. Now, but that's the context. And so Jesus says at the end of the age, the angels are going to come and take care of all this because the disciples say, you want us to go and uproot these tares? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's what I'd do. But he says, no, don't do that because the very fact, because some of them are just confused and you might damage some of the wheat. So let them grow together. Give them time to repent. Give them time to sit under the proper teaching from the equipping ministry, right? And, and prayerfully seek these things out in a humble spirit and God will change them. And then we'll have more wheat. But he says, let it go till the end of the age. Then I'm going to send my angels who are the reapers. And he says, and it's interesting because they, they take the good and gather into his barn. The bad they just toss away. And Jesus says, therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. So just, let's just let God take care of this. Let's, let's endeavor to be in unity. Be quick to believe. Don't be doubting and suspicious all the time. Uh, don't be judgmental. Be humble and quick to believe and seek unity in the body of Christ and let God's word do what it does. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Let's go to our next scripture. Now, here's where we're going to get to our tribulation scriptures. Keep an open mind here. See, seven years after these things, I saw four... I'm sorry. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal, underline that, the seal of the living God. Angels carry seals around with them. They're marking and sealing people. Right now. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, I've been studying seals and marks for a long time now. And I'm telling you right now, not always, but most of the time in Scripture, 90-some-odd percent, this is a mark that's in the spirit realm that you can't see because angels are doing this, and demons are doing this too. We're, we're not going to go there today, but just reading uh, Revelation 13, we know there's a mark, right, that's given that no man may buy or sell. It's the mark of the beast. You don't want that mark. Is it a physical mark everyone can see? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I'm just saying, most of the time in most of the scriptures I've seen, this is a thing that is inside. It's eternal. And God and his angels are determining who's on whose side. It, it, it reminds me of when I was a kid and we played neighborhood football. And all the guys would gather up, and the two captains would be over here. And they'd say, I want one. And this guy, well, I, I want Brian. This guy, I, I want David. You know? And you're chosen in that way. You're marked. You're, you're, that's really what's going on here. There's, there's a battle in the heavenlies going on right now. And things are getting sized up. Teams are being assembled. Marks and seals are being given. Because I'm telling you, all hell's fixing to break loose. And these, these angels of destruction don't have time to sit there. Let me, let me see that mark. No. 
No. They need to see and clearly in the spirit realm who belongs to God so that you don't die or suffer plagues or whatever it is. A great battle is underway in the heavens and on earth. Let's go to our next scripture. A couple of more chapters later on. The locust from the bottomless pit. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. And notice, to him. The star is a him. To him was given, and, and notice also, the star was fallen. You read other translations. In other words, it's already here on the earth. It fell a long time ago. It's here. And it was given to him. To him was given the key, that's authority, to the bottomless pit, okay? And he opened the bottomless pit. Listen, this is under God's instruction. There's Old Testament scriptures that go right into this locust vision and make it very clear. This is God's army in the spirit, roaming the earth. He opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And so the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Are we seeing a distinction here? We're seeing in the heavenlies a battle ramping up, a a, a judgment being prepared to be executed on the earth, and they're making a distinction between those who belong to God and those who belong to the devil. I'm here to tell you right now, in human terms, a lot of good folks belong to the devil. I mean, don't they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Good works, good things, seems right, seems like the right path, but it weighs our death. That's how it ends. You better make sure you're believing in God for the right reasons. It's not just a religious thing. It's not just, all right, got my religion taken care of. Got my business taken care of. That's not how it works. We got to be disciples. Disciples. It's another theological deal I've struggled with for years. Is there salvation apart from discipleship? That's the question. We need to constantly be asking ourselves questions. Is there salvation apart from discipleship? I've heard, you know, so many preachers talk about the carnal Christians who are not disciples. They're flesh-driven, sense-ruled people, not spirit-ruled. They can't even hear the voice of God because God doesn't speak to us up here. He speaks to us down here in a still, small, quiet voice. And you've got to be digging in to this thing and humbled and sensitive enough to understand it and hear it. What does discipleship cost us? Everything. Everything. Jesus said, you can't be my disciple if you don't hate father and mother. Love me more than your family. Love me more than making money. Love me more than anything on this earth. If you don't put me number one, you can't even be my disciple. So is there salvation apart from discipleship? I don't know. You're going to have to wrestle with that question. I've done my share. I've come up with my conclusion. It's not necessarily something I would 
preach as a doctrinal truth, but man, you've got to answer those own questions yourself. Because what you're going to find yourself doing is you're going to try to find yourself justifying for God. Can I just slide into heaven? Can I just half-ass do this and make it in? Or is, am I all in? Am I all in? <sighs> Glory to God. Maybe that made it clear. <laughs> Hallelujah. Seal. The Greek word for seal is sphargis. It's a very difficult word to explain or uh, pronounce. Sphargis. Yeah, sphargis. That's it. I pulled it up on the internet and had it pronounced. Sphargis. Strong's Greek Dictionary says it's a signet or a seal as fencing in or protecting from misappropriation. Now, I like that. that that's what hit me. Protecting from misappropriation. Remember, I said there's a battle going. There's angels of destruction and there's God's angels. And things are fixing to happen here on earth. They're already underway. And then they're going to be swiftly moving, and you're marked so that you won't be misappropriated by Satan for his purposes. See, misappropriation, when we hear that today, we generally uh, equate that or we, we put that into misappropriation of funds. Maybe a, a CEO has embezzled funds from his company, which were designed to benefit the company, but he came in, he snuck in and misappropriation of these funds for his own purposes, his underhanded schemes, and that's exactly why you and I are being sealed today. The first seal that we get sealed with is the seal of the Holy Spirit when we get born again. But there's other seals and marks throughout our, our Christian walk. I just want you to get that. Hallelujah. Let's go... To our next scripture in Ezekiel. Glory to God. Mm, it's about to get real. Now this is, this is I want to put this in context real quick. Judgment on Jerusalem is fixing to go down. This happened a long time ago uh, when Nebuchadnezzar came and took them. Right? They turned from God. And I want to tell you right now, the message of Ezekiel, if you'll study it out, the message of Ezekiel is, uh, it, it carries with it a strong sense of individual responsibility. Because the national covenant, corporate responsibility, no longer exists. The nation turned from the covenant blessings. And, and so, now Ezekiel's saying, well, everyone's going to be responsible for himself. And God even told Ezekiel, I'm, I'm holding you responsible. If you don't say to the people what I'm telling you to say, their blood's going to be on your hands when they die. But if you do go to these people and you say what I told you to say and they still don't repent, then their blood ain't on your hands. It's on their own heads. That's individual responsibility. And he, he even goes on to say, generational curses, nah. I don't want to hear that no more. No. You're not, you're not cursed with alcoholism because dad was and his dad before him. No, I don't want to hear that. You're responsible for your own actions. You can make choices. Grow up and make the right choices. And so that's the context that we're looking at here. And can you say, can you see now how America, we, we parallel Israel in so many ways. And we've lost our national covenant that the Puritans came over here and made with God. Don't ever let someone say this nation was not founded, excuse me, on Christian principles. The Puritans were as, as, as Christian as you can get. And they made a covenant with God. And this nation was the greatest nation in the world. But we turned from God a long time ago. And I can show you that I've got the charts and graphs right here on my phone. I took pictures of 1962-63 when we took God out of schools. Everything went to hell. 
Choose your category. Murders, spiked. Education, plummeted. Single-family homes, spiked. And it all started right there in the same spot. Coincidence? I don't think so. When a nation turns from God, the national covering is lifted. The hedge of blessing, which we talked about so much in that last series on Wednesday nights I was doing. The hedge of blessing is lifted. Well, you still got an individual hedge of blessing as well. But listen, Ezekiel was stressing, everybody's got to take, God's telling me to tell everyone to take personal responsibility for the condition your nation's in right now. Just like I had to take personal responsibility where I'm not where I really saw myself being when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. Back in 1993, I was supposed to be preaching to nations by now. But I'm not. And I could, I'm looking back, I could have done a lot of things a lot differently. And that's why. I take individual responsibility for that. But how many of you know God can make up time? Hallelujah. Something that you think is going to take 20 years, boom, he does it in two days. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God we serve. But that's the context we're looking at here. And isn't it amazing how, how it's just like that in America? And so he called out in my hearing with a loud voice. Here again, these are angelic beings fixing to pronounce judgment, or not pronounce, execute judgment on Jerusalem. With a loud voice saying, let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. These are angels of uh, judgment. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. This is one of the reasons why Pam and I started Weepers and Warriors. Joel 2 and this passage right here. What's God saying, Brother Terry? He's saying, don't get too comfortable and familiar with the sin and the corruption all around us. It should be breaking your heart to the point where you're crying out to God every day. God, save America! Yet... Some of us don't even know America's about to fall into the pits of hell. Some of us aren't even aware of that. Many in the church. We've got churches inviting transvestites to come speak and hold a party. God help us. Judgment's coming. Well, as a matter of fact, you go ahead and study this passage out in its context. He says, start in the temple. Start in the temple first and then go out throughout Jerusalem. That's where judgment's coming first to the house of God. First. And when he gets everything ironed out in the house of God, I'm telling you, all hell's going to break loose on earth. And all of these wicked, evil deceivers are going to have to give an answer. And they won't have one. Because they're marked by the other guy. Turn to your name and say, have you been marked with the mark? (laughs) Which one are you talking about? The mark of God. Hallelujah. Because we don't discuss that other one. Everybody knows about it. Don't be that guy. Hallelujah. It's really interesting, this mark. The Hebrew word is Tav, the letter Tav in the Hebrew alphabet. 
Do you know what a tav is? This, if you were to write out in ancient, not new Hebrew, if you were to write out the letter tav in the Hebrew, we've got it sitting right between those doors right back there. It's a cross. So go before you reap destruction on this place. Go and mark everyone with the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Tav. I looked it up in my Hebrew dictionary. It says a signature. Hmm. Implying a, a signature. It's a symbol of a cross. And uh, man, God is marking his saints with that cross right now. When Holy Spirit draws near to minister to us, he's looking for the finished work of Christ somewhere in here. What's it done to you? How's it impacted you? What do I need to do? Do I need to put you back on the wheel? What do I got to do? You know, Jensen Franklin this morning preached that great message where Luke, uh, in Luke where Jesus said that uh, this parable that these people come, uh, the 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 Lord comes to his vineyard, and he comes to this tree that's just not producing fruit. And he says, what's this thing doing in my garden? Pluck it up and get it out of here. Remember that one? And, and the, the vine dresser says, well, not so, Lord. Let me just dig around it. Dig it and dung it. Dig it and dung it. The old King James says dung. Y'all know what dung is. Let me dig it and dung it for a year. And then next year, if it's not producing fruit, then we'll get rid of it. Uh, What a great picture of Jesus. So what's going on today, man? Maybe you're going to have to be dug around the soil. Things around you that are clinging to you are going to have to be clawed and ripped away out of your life. Things you're leaning on. And then the manure is going to have to be applied and fertilize the soil. It's usually a painful process. But we've got to be willing and to do it and have enough understanding that it's a necessary work of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to our last point here. I don't want to keep you all too long. Thank you. What's the significance of all this, Terry? Really? Well, it's quite significant. <laughs> You've been sealed for victory. You've been sealed for victory. And we were talking about this at, at Beautiful Restoration. The victory has already been done. And you didn't have to do one thing except repent and turn to Jesus and believe what he did for you. And in your place. But it clearly says, man, he took that devil and rubbed his nose in that manure and just ripped his eyes out, took away all of his weapons, took the key. See, there was a time when Satan had power. There was a time when Satan had the keys to death and hell. But Jesus, when he ascended, he first what? Descended into the lower parts of the earth, and that's what he was busy doing, humiliating Satan in front of everybody, making it clear, this guy no longer has dominion. Now, looking at a lot of Christians today, you'd think, well, he looks like he's got a lot of power. Maybe he does in your life. But the only power he's got is lies and deception to feed on your flesh and the stuff that God is trying to dig up and get away. If we've got anger and rage and complaining inside here, those are his. They belong to him. And those are his tools, and that's what he's going to work with. But the sanctifying process of the Holy Spirit in our lives is designed to purge this stuff. Remember Jesus said, the wicked one is coming and he has nothing in me. And that's the idea of this process of sanctification. Will you ever be perfect? No. But let me tell you what, you can take away most of the devil's weapons. So much so that where... When he does come, you just remind him of his place, and he'll be so he's just sick of hearing it, he'll leave you alone. Doesn't mean he won't come back. He'll, we'll never, this side of glory, get to the place where he's going to leave us alone. That's how stupid and stubborn he is. 
Let's go to our scripture, Bev. Ephesians chapter 1, 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, that's Jesus, having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Hallelujah. Who is the guarantee. Turn to your name and say, he guarantees it. I think one translation may say he's the earnest. He's that, the Holy Spirit and that, this seal, this is a down payment. God's saying, I'm good for it. At the end, we'll make good on this. We're going to settle up and you're going to be real happy. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's go to our next scripture. You were purchased and you have a guaranteed inheritance. That's that one. Okay, Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. Has that happened to you? And if we're children, now I want you to understand this, then joint heirs. The best way I can understand this, uh, I heard the illustration of the bank account one time. You know, I know a lot of husbands and wives who have separate bank accounts. And so if the wife goes to try to get money out of her husband's account, she runs into all this trouble. But those who are smart enough and in love enough and trusting enough to have joint accounts, <laughs> just go in, it's no problem. Whatever's hers is mine. Whatever is mine is hers. We're joint owners of this account. What does Jesus have? Everything. Give it to you. We're joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we're willing to suffer with him, right? This isn't all about, oh, everything's just going to be hunky-dory now that I'm saved. Uh Uh-uh. That we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. I think we got some more in Romans. Let's go ahead and hit them real quickly. God's everlasting love. I love that title. Turn to your name and say, God loves you so much. Hallelujah. I know there's a lot going on in this message today, but don't anyone leave this place without understanding this last section. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Glory to God. Let's keep going. I think this gets better. Who then shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies If God justifies you, there ain't no devil in hell can bring a railing accusation against you that's legitimate. It's a lie. Who is he who condemns? The devil. Because it's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? Or persecution or famine? No. Nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, Lord, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That's a passage that needs some theological understanding behind it. Because there's a lot of mopey, gropey Christians going through unnecessary stuff. I'm just suffering for Jesus. I'll leave that there. (laughs) Yet in all these things, not just conquerors, more than conquerors. Why? Because we're joint heirs with God Almighty. Hallelujah. Through Him who loved us. 
Praise God. For I am persuaded that neither death or life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing. Nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're facing ahead, but it cannot separate you from the one who loves you, and he's protecting you. He's got you in his arms, and if you'll believe, if you'll believe and put some faith to it, mighty, awesome things will happen. Glory to God. One more scripture. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. I just dare say we're approaching that. We're we're seeing the four gleamings of that right now. I was just telling Pam today before church, I feel so unworthy that in spite of all that's going on in this world, God's blessed our business. Not just skating by, it's increased. He, he, he's given us health. We've had attacks on our health, but he, he pulls us through every one of them. We, we, don't, we don't suffer persecution like so many other Christians are dying. And I'm just like, Lord, why? We don't deserve this. Thank you so much. You're so good to me, Lord. God, you're so good. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes. Turn to your name and say, I'm an overcomer. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. This is what we've been talking about. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, Sheila, would you mind coming up here? I'm hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit has moved on you. I want you to know that there has been a distinction that God is establishing between his children and the ones that don't belong to him. And this scripture that we just read tells us that we're going to be kept from the judgments soon to fall. We're going to be spared a lot of things that, quite frankly, other people who have not taken the time to tend to their spiritual life. You've done great with your physical life. Many of you out here have done great. I know so many people who are successful, good at business. A lot of, a lot of them have way more discipline than I do. I'm, I'm horribly undisciplined. They've neglected their spiritual life. Oh, glory to God. So I just want every head bowed right now. I would like Pastor to come down front. Pam, I want you to come down here too, please. And what the Holy Spirit led on my heart today was that he wants to give an altar call. This isn't me. I'm horrible at altar calls. God wants to minister to the people he specially gave this message to today. With every head bowed, those who are out here, as I said in the beginning, many are suffering things because they're doing something right. And then there's those who are suffering many things because they need to make some adjustments. So we're talking to both groups here today. And Holy Spirit made it clear to me today to give an altar call because there's four things 
he is here to fulfill. Number one, healing. Number one, healing. Number two, deliverance. If you are bound up with a situation that just seems to have gotten the best of you, it is time today to be delivered of that. Today is the day. Number three, repentance. If you're one of those who is just suffering unnecessary things, these things have come against you, you seem trapped, there's just no way to escape it, you're beating your head against the wall, maybe there's some repentance that needs to take place. Maybe you need to just say, Lord, I'm sorry, because you are the God who made me more than a conqueror. Help me to begin to think differently. Help me to begin to approach things differently from this day forward. And number four, quite simply, salvation. Salvation. If you don't know that you know that you know that you are saved and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, today is the day. So, as you come forward today, come to one of these prayer people. We're going to be up front. Let them know if it's healing that you're looking for, deliverance, repentance, or salvation. I 